When I was in college, which is getting further and further and further away, though it feels just like yesterday, but when I was in college, me and about 10 or 15 other students my age, we would use our Friday nights. I went to college about an hour north of Atlanta, a little, little school called Toccoa Falls College. And on Friday nights, we would all load into a 15-passenger van. We would drive down into one of the worst parts of Atlanta at the time. And we would get out and we would go and we would just try to share the gospel with people. We would, we would pray with people. We would talk to homeless people. We would buy meals as we could. We would visit with the shop owners every week and build a relationship with them so that we could try to share the, the gospel. And we would always have this convergence point where at the beginning we'd start at this little coffee shop that was there. And at the end, we'd gather back there as we kind of finished our night and make the drive back up to Tekoa. And as we were getting there one night and we're grabbing coffees before we go out and just start walking around and praying, there, there's this musician who gets started up. And he was this, just this lone act. It was one of those open mic nights and he had an acoustic guitar and he had this pedal board, which I, I don't understand anything about how he did what he did, but I did understand this, that he would take his guitar and he, he, he was like a one-man band. Like first he'd start with the percussion and he'd just thump on his guitar a little bit and he'd be like thump, 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 thump. And he'd hit his pedal and then it would loop. And it would play that percussion that he started. And then he'd play a couple different progressions on his guitar. And it was so amazing and entertaining. And he was just creating like this whole band experience, one little track at a time, layering things on top of each other. And then he started to sing. And it's like, not only could he play, not only was he some sort of tech wizard here, but the dude could sing and it was incredible. And all 15 of us who were there, we were just like in this trance watching this guy. And then one of the girls, her name was Heather. She was like, hey guys, this isn't what we came here to do. And it like woke us all up. But I don't know if you've ever heard someone say something and you didn't quite hear what, like they said something, but you heard it with completely different meaning. This was one of those times where it's like, what she said, like shook the fabric of my existence. And it shouldn't have, but it did. Because he, she said, this isn't what we came here to do, which she meant, you know, we, we're here to go and walk around. But what I heard was, this isn't what your life is about. It was very entertaining and there's nothing wrong with music, but it was like God, sometimes God will speak to you in a really simple moment in a really profound way. And in that moment, God was speaking to me. He's like, Paul, you have to guard your life. That you do not allow entertainment or comfort to become what is central to you because you have a calling to push this gospel forward. And I want to tell you, that calling to push the gospel forward, the message of salvation, the, the place where we find true peace, true joy, true fulfillment, that calling is not just on pastors, but it's every, it's the calling is upon every person who has found that joy. And as you guys walk in the church, you, uh, many of you guys have expressed like appreciation for what a great job the team does in making this school feel like a church. And some of the banners that you guys have walked by probably countless times for some of you, they actually say words on them, all right? And I encourage you to stop and read them sometime. And as you come in, the first banner on the left, the first statement that you're gonna see is the statement, Christ centered. 
And that is formed not just out of my experience of what God has put on my heart, but what scripture teaches, that Christ for the church has to be central to everything that we do. All of the programs, all of the efforts, they have to be tuned in a way that is guiding people into the presence of Christ. And that's my heartbeat for us. And so today that's what we're talking about. We're talking about being a Christ-centered church. And we're gonna look at the book of Colossians chapter one, verses 15 through 18. If you have your Bible, you can open to Colossians chapter one. If not, we'll of course project the words up on the screen as we read. And we can start with verse 15. It says, the son is the image of the invisible God the firstborn over all creation. For in him, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things and in him, all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among from among the dead, so that in, in everything he might have the supremacy. Amen. The starting point, the, the first area of focus, I want to be actually the last word from that passage. The first thing I want to look into today is that Christ is supreme. That Christ is supreme. What scripture teaches us about Christ is that he is not an option amongst other equal options that we get to pick from, but that he is the one who should have the absolute supremacy in all things. And I'll say, I'll I'll compare it to this. And you know, this would never happen in my household, but I'll pick on you and me. Um, All of us who are parents, we were once children before, right? Yeah. Okay. And you remember as children, there was probably a time where you said some sort of statement to your parent when they're like, hey, you need to unload the dishwasher. And you're like, I have to do everything in this house. Now, kids, we're not talking about you. We're laughing at us. It's not that you did that. It's that we've done it, right? And your parents, if, if they were like you and me, they probably said something like, oh, so you've been paying the mortgage now. You figured out who to insure the house and you've handled that. You know what it takes to change the HVAC filter. You've been taking care of the brake pads on the car and you've changed the oil and you're aware of the condition of the transmission fluid in the car that drives you around all the time. You understand how to care for these carpets. You've checked the roof for leaks before. You've gone up into the attic to check the insulation and to remove any squirrels that's made a nest. You've done all of these things and forgive me for asking you to spend three minutes unloading the dishwasher. And we've heard that probably from some sort of parent because kids, they will begin to have this idea that is an inflated idea of how important they are and how much they do. And just as children, their their thought process can be contaminated by overinflating who they are in the household. In our life, we often will begin to inflate ourselves or another person and build them up to be more important than what they really are. I'm going to tell you, and I'll tell you time and time again, I am your pastor if you choose to be here, but I am just like you. And these messages that I preach, I write to myself and I let you listen to my internal dialogue. No person should ever be placed anywhere equal with who Jesus Christ is in your life. Let me get it more personal than that. If someone says something about you, and it conflicts with what Jesus has said about you, 
and you allow what they said about you to attach itself to your identity, you're giving them way more authority in your life than you should. Give Christ to the supremacy in your life to listen to his words and his instructions and his truth above all other human logic. And some of you need to find freedom from wounds that other people have spoke into your life by giving authority to the words of Christ in your life. And when someone speaks something into your life that conflicts with the authority in the words that Jesus has taught, then we have to take what they say and throw it away because Christ has all supremacy in our life. When you internally have a dialogue where you say, I know that God wants me to do this. I know that Christ has taught me to do this, but I am going to go my own way. You need to say, stop, self, Christ has the supremacy over me. I've made him Lord. That gives him authority. And so when my personal desires conflict with what Jesus has taught, I'm giving Christ the supremacy. Why? Why do that? Because his way always leads to the greatest peace. His way always leads to the greatest joy. His ways always lead to the greatest sense of fulfillment. And all of the things that we try to shortcut and chase after, if you would just take that same energy and pursue Christ your savior, you would find more of those things that you have been chasing. But you think that you can shortcut his ways and go outside of his design. And then we find pain there instead of joy and we're surprised time after time. And I wanna tell you, church, Give Christ the authority, the supremacy, set him first in your life and see that you will find that when you seek his face, all other things you need get added. The way that the passage describes it, it says in verse 18, and he's the head of the body. He's the authority over all of the body. He's the head over the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn among the dead so that in everything, he might have the authority. Verse 17 says it this way. He says, he's before all things and in him, all things hold together. This is the, the same concept of the household. Sometimes the kids will think, man, I'm holding the house all together. And parents are like, you do almost nothing here. <laughs> There's so many times in our life where we're like, God, where are you? He's holding all things together in your life. And you may not understand a circumstance, you may not understand a pain that he's allowing you to walk through, but I want your mind to rest on this simple biblical truth. All things are held together by Christ. Um, there's a pastor in Atlanta. He pastors Passion City Church now. His name's Louis Giglio. He used to be the pastor of 722, which is college-age ministry in the Atlanta area that I used to attend. Um, some of his sermon series were life-changing for me. But uh, some of you may have seen a clip. It went semi-viral a couple years back where Pastor Louis was uh, talking about his experience where he was waiting to board a plane and he had just finished a traveling conference where he was going around the U.S. speaking different places and he was working on his next two, two messages that he was going to be preaching at North Point Community Church in Atlanta and um, someone who had seen him speak came up and said, hey, I want to introduce myself to you. I really appreciate your ministry. You know, what are you, what are you working on? What's coming up next for you? And Louis said, well, I'm just writing these two messages and the guy says, well, go ahead and tell me what your message is about. And he's like, well, I wasn't really 
ready to do that, but sure, and begins talking him through it. And he says, okay, so you're, you're preaching about how everything's held together in Christ. Um, he said, so what's your, what's your left hook? What's your landing point? And Louis was like, well, I don't really have one yet. Like I'm still writing the message. He's like, well, I, I happen to be a molecular biologist and I've got, I've got your landing point. Like I've got your left hook. I've got your, your finishing move for this message. He's like, you're gonna love this. He says, okay, well, what is it? It's laminin. And Louis was like, laminin, that sounds great. It was great talking to you. He's like, no, 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 you have to understand that, that on, the, on the molecular level, there, there is something that, that binds all molecules together so that they can become proteins. And, and at the, the smallest level where, where proteins are built and there's this little piece that allows them, it's the glue that holds all of your body together. It's called laminin. And, and it, it, it's that central thing. Like you're gonna love it. You just got, you gotta go look up and see a picture of what laminin is. And then you'll understand. And Louis like, okay, well, I'll go check on that later when I get home and took the guy's email address. And when he got home and he Googled laminin, Louis, Louis says, he's, he's like, oh my goodness, laminin. It makes sense. And, and he wrote the guy an email and he's like, you know, I can say this, I can say what it is, but it doesn't make sense until you see the picture. Show the picture of what laminin is. This is, this is the shape of what holds everything together and who you are. Now, I'm not saying that you can go and use this as, as a proof in a scientific conversation to say, look, the cross is central to everything, but at least one molecular biologist was willing to say, when you look at the glue that holds together everything about who you are, it's the shape of a cross. Giving Christ the supremacy is allowing your faith to mature to a point where you say, I know that he holds all things together. I wanna dive into what I just said a little bit because it's not felt or understood yet. When you say, I know that Christ holds all things together, it's not a mental aspiration. It's not just this recognition of a truth that everything is held together by what Christ did on the cross. It's, it's when push comes to shove and you get angry, but God gives you the clarity in the moment to stop yourself and you say, I can trust God with all things. And so I'm gonna dial my anger back and I'm gonna be meek instead of just strong. And I'm gonna be patient with people when I could choose to be angry because I understand that at the end of the day, God will take care of me if I honor him. When you say that Christ holds all things together, it means you can trust him when you walk in his ways. And this is, this is just once again, figuring out the scales where, you know, how does it balance in my life? Is Christ the authority or am I the authority? When your faith reaches the point where you say, I really believe that all things are held together in Christ, the way that Colossians says, that's when you say, I can walk in faith because I know the results will come. Because I know that Christ is supreme. Because I know that all things hold together in him from the largest things to the smallest things. As we go through this series and through this passage, there's just some things, I'm really wanting this to, to be something that helps expand our understanding of some of the things of why we do things at Gulfside. That kind of faith is why we do ministry the way that we do. 
It's, it's why we help other churches, even churches that are in our town. It's why we help plant other churches. I've had, <laughs> I've had family members say to me, uh, as we, we've helped either coach other churches or financially support other churches, or other churches have coached us and financially supported us when we were getting started. And one of my family members was like, man, you guys don't know how to compete with each other properly. <laughs> like, no, you don't get it. Let, let me show you our church logo real quick. This is another one of those things that you see and you know, like most good logos, and I do think it's a good logo, um, there's meaning in it that you can really easily walk past. And I, and I just wanted to talk you through some of these identity things of who we are. You'll notice that Gulfside is lowercase, but church is uppercase. Because we're not about building our, our castle, we're about building the kingdom. We don't just believe in what we're doing, we believe what the church is doing across the world. And we wanna see all of the churches in our city rise. We wanna see churches planted across Florida. We wanna see churches planted across the US. We wanna see churches planted across the world because we believe that the church carries the message and the light of the gospel. And so even in our logo, you'll see, we, we make the church important, not just Gulfside. You also see the wave and you're like, well, you're Southwest Florida, so we put waves on things. Well, yes and no. The wave, it, you'll see it's pushing Gulfside forward. That we are a church that is moved by an external power other than ourselves. That it is the spirit of God that pushes us forward and out into our city. We model Luke 19, 10, where it says, for Jesus came to seek and save those who are lost. He went towards people. And we're gonna be a church that is pushed out by the Holy Spirit into our community to make a difference. The wave is also there because waves can reshape an entire shoreline by one small wave at a time, one small action at a time. And given time, those waves will completely reshape an entire beach or an entire shoreline. And that's our method, that it's not gonna just be one big moment for us, but it's gonna be small faithful act after small faithful act year after year where our church can make a huge and significant difference in this community. And, that, and that, that's part, part of our logo. And so when you see that, I want you to be able to see that story. And even if you're wearing one of those very stylish Gulfside Church shirts and someone asks you about it, now you have a whole story to tell them about the identity of the church and who we are. And so we, we believe in lifting up the name of Christ in churches all across the city, all across the world. Because Christ doesn't just have supremacy when our name gets inflated, but we wanna give him the supremacy in all the world. The next way, so Christ is supreme. One of the other ways when we talk about being Christ-centered, one of the other guiding principles is found in John, Gospel of John chapter 15, verse five. And, and this is the truth that Christ is the vine. Jesus was teaching and speaking and he said, I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But pay attention to how this, this finishes. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from Christ, churches will accomplish nothing. There are many churches that have, I wanna say this the right way. I'm not concerned about being too nice. I'm not. I will be concerned about being too mean, but I just wanna be accurate. But we know that in our nation, there are churches that have abandoned the message of Christ. 
They've abandoned the literal teaching of scripture where scripture is literal. They've abandoned when scripture is figurative, they've abandoned what that passage was supposed to mean. And when Jesus was teaching, he said, those who love me, obey my commands. He gave us no room to say that we love him, but we disagree with his words. He didn't give us space for that as a church. And so when we disconnect ourselves from the teachings of Christ, the things that he taught when he preached, if we disconnect ourselves from those teachings, then we are also disconnecting ourselves from the person of Christ. And so in order to be a church that bears much fruit, in order to lead a family that bears much fruit, you have to allow yourself to look at the teachings and the commandments of Christ and put them into practice because that is how Jesus himself described loving him. And if we wanna be a fruitful church, then we have to stay close to him. And so what, what does that mean? We'll look at another way that he describes it. Jesus, when he was teaching another time, he said, if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. If your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out because it's better to enter heaven without a hand than have the whole body thrown into hell. This is Jesus teaching. And he's trying to communicate this truth of what do you value? What is it that you value? Is it that you value comfort? Even if it leads to sin, I'll bring it to our century now. So many people, the cell phone that they carry in their pocket and in their hand 90% of their day brings all kind of sin and destruction into their life. And hear me from a place of saying like, I've been there, I've dealt with that before. I've got rid of my cell phone for a while before. And when someone comes to me and they say, this is causing an issue in my life, I'm like, I have a very simple solution for you. Get rid of it. Go buy a flip phone. Deactivate it for a while. Let someone else set the password and turn that cell phone, that smartphone into a dumb phone that only makes calls and does GPS. Like, oh, but that would be so inconvenient. I'm like, oh, <laughs> I understand where the culture is. and I understand all of the things that you can do for it. But if Christ is up here in importance, but we're letting something down here derail living for him, then man of God, woman of God, rise up and do what you've got to do. Give Christ the supremacy that if something is dragging your relationship with God down, cut it off. If it risks you being severed from the vine that is Christ, the only vine in which you will bear much fruit, don't allow anything to sever that connection. Don't allow anything to pull you away from the commands and the teachings of Christ. It's all junk. Dispose of it. (laughs) And trade what will eventually destroy you for what will bring you joy both now and later, the peace and the contentment and the joy that is found in Christ, being fruitful in Christ, far surpasses anything that this world has to offer you. And so Christ is supreme. Christ is the vine. Another way to describe why Christ is central to us is that Christ is the foundation. He's the foundation on which all of our life should be built. I would say that most of you know Jesus' parable where he talked about 
the difference between building a house on the sand or a house on the rock. That you can build your house in either places, but when the wind and the rain pours down and what is the foundation for your house washes out, the results will be obvious. And those who build their house on the sand, the house will crumble. Those whose house was built on the rock will be sustained by the immovable structure that that house was built upon. Christ has to be the foundation for your life because he does not change, he does not shift. No storm of life can move him away from you. He's the foundation. That that passage and that parable teaching of Jesus is so powerful to me because he does not say those who build their life on the foundation of the rock will never have storms. He says you'll be able to weather them differently. You know, a woman goes in for a regular checkup and they find a lump and the tests come back and it's cancer. And the world can shake your life. A young man's away at college, gets a phone call from his mom saying, hey, you, your father and I are splitting up. And he says, okay, I understand and hangs up and cries. And the, the world can shake your life. A man can go into work and be called into his boss's office and says, I'm sorry, we've had to make budget cuts. Your position's been eliminated. And he goes home and doesn't know what to tell his wife and how they're gonna support the kids. The world will shake your life. But the foundation that you stand upon will become evident in the storm. Because if you are just standing on your own strength, your own capacities, and you think you're gonna make it through life on all of your own accord, when the storm comes, you will have nothing to stand on because the whole landscape changes. But when you're standing on Christ, you will be able to authentically say, as I have been for months and years, I am trusting in Christ through this. And he says that he will provide. He says that he will restore when we fall. He says he will be with us and he will never leave us or forsake us. And so I know God is not done with us yet. And so through this storm, I have the faith to say it's gonna be okay. Through the diagnosis, I have the faith to say it's gonna be okay. Through changing family situations, I have the faith to say it's gonna be okay, not because of anything that I could devise, but because Christ is the foundation on which all of my life has been built. And this should be a guiding principle for you. This should be a guiding principle for the church that you are a part of. That everything we do, it's built upon Christ. That we have to protect our connection to him because it's through him that we bear much fruit and that he is supreme over everything that we do. And so us as a church, our heartbeat, we wanna do lots of creative things. We wanna do fun things. We wanna be moving towards our city and our people. We're gonna do lots of different things that other churches might even look at and say, that is distasteful to do. You guys should be serious and boring all the time and snow should not fall during Christmas Eve services. And that's not, listen, the things that we do, they're gonna line up with what scripture teaches and they're gonna push people through creative means to hear the gospel message of Jesus Christ. And this is what I have found and this is what I've experienced. And band, you guys can come on out. I'm gonna wrap this up. But as Colossians said, 
Everything that has been created was created through him and for him. That at the moment of the creation of the universe, that Jesus was there. He is fully God. And when he came to earth, he was fully man. He lived a perfect and sinless life. He was brought to the cross and he was put to death. He was not guilty of sin, but you and I are guilty of sin. And what Jesus did is he took the punishment that should have been upon us and he took it upon himself. He died on the cross. He was buried. After three days, he was resurrected. And he says, anyone who calls on his name will not be put to shame. He says, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and that God raised him from the dead, that you will be saved. When you personally decide to make Jesus supreme in your life, he adopts you into his family. He makes you a new creation. He gives you a new start and a new foundation on which your life is to be lived. But it starts, well, it starts when God first started pursuing you, but it reaches a critical junction where you sense a calling to get things right with God and you either say yes or you say no. And for some people in the sound of my voice today, you're at that junction where you sense God is calling you towards himself where God is calling you to fix your relationship with him and you have a decision, there's no indifference. You will either say yes or you will say no. And speaking from someone who is trapped in by sin and depression and pain, that when I reached that junction and I had ignored it many times, but I finally said yes, it was like a light turning on in the darkness that pushed out the fear, that pushed out the pain and brought in a joy that I thought was impossible for someone like me. So why, why would I get up here? Because I want you to have that same joy. And so if you're at that junction today, I, I implore you, take the step, give Christ his rightful place in your life and see what he will do. I'm gonna ask that you bow your heads with me. If today you recognize that God is calling you to put Christ at the center I'm not going to embarrass you, but I, I'm gonna ask that you raise your hand so that I know who is putting physical action to the step they're taking. I see you, amen, praise God, I see you. Amen, 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 I see you, it's awesome. You can put your hands down, I see you. Father, so many people who are making that decision, I pray that even right now that your spirit would begin to move in their life, that they would feel a sense of peace that is only found in you, and Lord, we ask forgiveness for our sins, for our mistakes, for our failings, and we thank you that you have grace. Would your spirit just move in our heart and in our mind in a way that we know that you're here and we know that you're present, that we know that you're forgiving. We know that you're bringing new life. And as we declare that you are Lord, we commit ourselves to follow your teachings and follow your commands because we know that they're a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path, and they lead us in the way everlasting. And so we trust you in the way that we live. We thank you for the joy that is found only in Christ, in Jesus' name.